Appreciate your presence tonight. We're going to be discussing tonight gracious hearts, a heart of thanksgiving. And there are a lot of things that could be said about a thankful heart. We're very thankful for the opportunity to be here tonight. And it has been a beautiful day, a very beautiful autumn day. And the weather's cooler. And personally, I'm ready to head south. I've had all this cold weather I can take, and it's not even gotten cold yet, but when I think about sniffles and sneezes and colds and flu and all that other stuff, and then just the cold weather, I'm ready to head south. Got to be a place for somebody to preach in South Florida, at least South South Florida. Tonight I want us to think about gracious hearts and having a heart of thanksgiving. Paul said, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. This coming Thursday, we will celebrate Thanksgiving. And I guess for a lot of folks, Thanksgiving is about, as one fellow said, food. It's about family and about being the first to the mall. And I'm not sure if it's in that order. But there are a lot of reasons why we ought to be grateful, thankful. I want to just share with you some reasons why I believe we ought to be grateful or thankful. In, in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, Paul would echo the same sentiments that he expressed to the church at Thessalonica when he said, continue steadfastly in thanksgiving. So why should we be thankful? First of all, I believe we ought to be grateful, we ought to be thankful for our family. There's something special about having a family. I understand that we have a church family, but I'm thinking about our biological family. That family unit. God is the one that designed the home. He is the originator of the home. And so it is a marvelous thing. Back in Genesis chapter 2, when God created Adam, he said, It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helpmeet for him. Solomon wrote many, many years ago in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22, that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And certainly the same could be said for a woman who finds a good husband. And then we add to that mixture... The children. The psalmist said in Psalm 127, Except the Lord build the house, those who labor, labor in vain. In that same context, he talked about the home unit that would be filled with children. He said, Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. And so the idea is, happy is the man, happy is, is the man and woman who has children. And children are truly bone of our bones and flesh of our flesh. We ought to give thanks for our children and for all the blessings that, that come our way because of that family unit. And you think about the design of the home and all the blessings that go along with the home, and I would add to this mix the friendships that are forged within the context of the home. I understand that there are friends outside that biological unit, but many times within 
the family unit, the home unit, there develops lasting friendships, friendships that cannot be broken. Solomon, many, many years ago, said there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And of course, that husband-wife unit, and then you think about the relationship between the parents and the children and even the grandchildren and on down the line. Somebody wrote many years ago, a friend is one before whom I may think aloud. We ought to give thanks to God for our family, for our friends, for those close-knit relations that we enjoy and that we, no doubt, sometimes take for granted. Another thing that I would suggest is we ought to be grateful for our finances. Think about how blessed you are, materially speaking, in this world. The Bible tells us that every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights. Everything that we have here on planet Earth ultimately belongs to one person. Who is that? It's God. What is it God desires of us? Well, what God desires is that we use the possessions that He has entrusted into our care prudently or wisely. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, that that which is required of a steward is that a man be found faithful. So all the many blessings that we have, think about how God has richly blessed you materially. The automobile you drive, the home you live in. I think about oftentimes our food, clothing, and shelter. The job. Many of us have jobs and we're grateful that we have a job to provide for our physical necessities and even the luxuries of life. And then you add to that all of the other benefits and blessings that we enjoy. Think about the job that we have and the monetary means that we, that we have come to possess. That affords us the ability to take care of our physical body. And so you think about your health. And the fact that if you get sick, if you have a problem, you can go to the hospital, you can go to a doctor and be cared for. There are folks around, around the globe that don't have the blessings that we have. There are a lot of people in our world today, they don't have the monetary means that we do. As a matter of fact, I heard many years ago that the average income in some countries is about $200 a year. And many folks make $200 a day. And so you think about people that have very little. Many of us have seen in some countries where poverty and famine exist, and small babies, small children with bloated stomachs, and adults that don't live beyond 35 or 40 years of age because they don't have adequate health care, they don't have adequate nutrition, etc., so how blessed we are. When you get up in the morning, you ought, to be, you ought to be grateful to God. Grateful to God that you have the ability to walk. You ever thought about what a blessing it is to be able to walk, to go where you want to go, to run, to exercise, to do the things that typically we take for granted? And so you think about how God has blessed us physically, materially, on and on. The psalmist said in Psalm 68, verse 19, Blessed be the Lord, listen to him, 
who daily loads us with benefits or blessings. There's a song that we sing, Count Your Many Blessings. Name them one by one. And the chorus of that song, it will, it will surprise you what the Lord has done. I would encourage you this week, this Thanksgiving week, to take out a sheet of paper and just begin writing down all of the blessings that you enjoy in this life. You'll be surprised how many things that you have at your disposal. And there are a lot of things that we have. There are a lot of blessings that we have that sometimes we don't even pause to think about. Little things. And so, be grateful. Be thankful. That's what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. In everything give thanks. Why? This is the will of God. God wants us to be grateful, but not just one day a year, but every day. Why? Because we're blessed. Because we have been blessed. Listen again to the words of the psalmist, the passage read a moment ago. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His mercy endures forever. Drop back and look at Psalm 100. In Psalm 100, the psalmist said, speaking of God's people, enter into His gates with thanksgiving, into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. And then listen to this. For the Lord is good. Isn't God good? You think about all the things that you, in, that you possess, that you enjoy on a daily basis. I don't think any of us could ever say God isn't good. He is good. And He abounds in goodness. So be grateful for your family, for your friends. Be grateful for your finances. Be grateful for your freedom. This is an election year. And we just finished up a political season, so to speak. And it was a hard-fought campaign. And there are many, many blessings that we enjoy in this country because God has lavished upon us an array of blessings. And there were many people, there are many of us that were concerned about the future of our nation, about the freedoms that we hold dear. And hopefully and prayerfully, those freedoms that we have been blessed with down through the years, hopefully and prayerfully, those freedoms will continue. But why are we, why are we a nation that enjoys freedom? Because of God. Do you remember Daniel in Daniel chapter 4, verse 32? Daniel said, the Most High rules in the kingdoms of men. We talk about the fact that God is the one who originated, designed the home. He's also the one that originated or designed the civil government. And the powers that be exist because of God's decree, according to Romans chapter 13, verse 1. And so, the freedoms that we enjoy, the freedom of speech... The opportunity that we have to come together in the middle of the week, on the first day of the week, to worship God, to express, express our faith in God, our praise to God, and to not have to worry about that, that's a tremendous blessing. What if that blessing were to be taken away? So we ought to give thanks to God. 
that he has allowed us or afforded us the opportunity to live in a free country. You think about freedom of, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, the fact that we have the right to worship God as we see fit. And by that I mean we have the privilege, the right, the opportunity to open this book and to strive to the best of our ability to walk in cadence with what the Bible teaches. We worship God according to how the Bible directs. You remember what Jesus said, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so we have the truth guiding us in our worship and we have that opportunity. Why? Because we live in a free country. There are countries around the globe that don't enjoy this luxury. And there are people over the past year that have physically lost their lives because they didn't enjoy religious freedom as we do. So we ought to be grateful to God for that. And then there's another thing that I believe we ought to be grateful for. And that is the tremendous fortune that we have in Christ. This morning in our Bible class hour, we talked about the fact that in Christ, we are richly blessed. Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 talks about how every spiritual blessing resides in Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. And that expression, in Christ, or its equivalent, is found some 35 times in the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians emphasizes the church of Christ. The book of Colossians emphasizes the Christ, the majesty of Christ. And so you look at the book of Ephesians, and you see the Apostle Paul writing from a Roman prison. And in the first three chapters, he talks about the blessings of redemption and reconciliation in Christ. The fact that we have been redeemed in the one body, that we are reconciled to God. And then in chapters 4 through 6, he talks about our Christian responsibility. The responsibility that we have to Christ. And so you begin looking at the book of Ephesians in light of other passages. And you think about just how rich we really are. We talk about this pot of gold, this fortune that we have in Christ. When John wrote to Gaius in 3 John, he said, Beloved, I wish, pray above all things, that you may be in health and prosper even as your soul prospers. Gaius was spiritually rich. He may not have had a lot physically, may not have had a lot materially, but he was spiritually rich. And if you're in Christ Jesus, you're rich. And so what? What Paul is saying is we ought to be grateful. There are a lot of reasons why we ought to be grateful, but one thing that we ought to pause and give thanks for, this vast array of spiritual blessings that we enjoy in Christ. Well, what about those spiritual blessings? We emphasize them from time to time, and hopefully and prayerfully. If I emphasize them enough, you'll be able to repeat them, recall them by memory. You think about first and foremost the fact that you have been pardoned by a loving God. Paul said, but God who is rich in mercy for the great love wherewith he has loved us even when we were dead in sins has made us alive together with Christ. He said, by grace are you saved. To know that we can enjoy redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace as Paul said in Ephesians 1 verse 7. 
Well, how do we appropriate the grace of God? How do we become a recipient of the benefits of the blood of Christ? Well, we obey the gospel. We're baptized into Christ. When we're baptized into Christ, we enjoy the benefits of the blood of Christ and we are a part of the body of Christ. Somebody says, well, how do you know that? Well, because that's what the Bible teaches. In Romans chapter 6, verse 3, Paul said, Know ye not that all we who are baptized into Christ were baptized into His death. When we're baptized into the death of Christ, we enjoy the benefits of the blood of Christ because He shed His blood in death. John 19, 34 and 35. And we have been redeemed by His blood. Ephesians 1, verse 7. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. So to know that I can have freedom from sin, that I can be forgiven of my past, and to know that as long as I walk in the light as a Christian, as long as I walk in the light as He is in the light, we, I have the assurance, you have the assurance, that the blood of Christ is continually working in your life, cleansing us from all sin, as John said in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. And to know that if I stumble and fall, as John said, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I can stand before Him holy and without blame. I can stand before Him in, good, in a good relationship. So I have pardon. And then add to that the peace that we have. Now we talk about peace that we enjoy in this country. Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, spoke of Christ as the Prince of Peace. When Jesus was born, the angels of God cried out, Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill toward man. Did you know that you can enjoy the peace that passes all understanding? When you obey the gospel, the Bible says that we enjoy peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. It is described by Paul in Philippians chapter 4 as the peace that passes all understanding. And it guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. To know that God has built a garrison around us, providing us with peace. And then, the blessings of prayer. There are a lot of things that we ought to be grateful for, but one tremendous blessing, to know that there is a God in heaven who willingly listens to our prayers. Doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. Doesn't matter if you're young or old, black or white. Doesn't matter what time of day or night. God willingly listens to to every prayer. I'm not sure I can wrap my mind around the thought that there is a God in heaven who can attentively listen to every single syllable that I utter. But He does. He does so with absolute attention. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open unto their prayers. That's a blessing. To know that you have at your disposal God's throne. And that you can bow in the presence of God any time, day or night. And by the way, Solomon said he delights in your prayers. He delights in the prayers of the upright. That means God loves hearing from his people, his children, doesn't he? So you can go to him and you can pray to him. And Paul would say in Philippians chapter 4, In nothing be anxious, but in everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. So we go before His throne. 
We come before Him, we express our needs, our thoughts, our wants, and we also express our tremendous thanksgiving for all that He is and all that He has done for us. And then, what about His presence? We sing the song, Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. To know that God is always near His people, isn't He? When Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, he was sitting in a Roman prison. And Paul had a lot of experience in prisons, didn't he? Spent a lot of time in them. Did a lot of good. And yet, in prison, Paul understood the Lord was nearby. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 5, he said, The Lord is at hand. I think what Paul was saying there is, The Lord is nearby. He might have been sitting in a Roman prison. He might have been lonely. I don't know what the circumstances were in, that, in the context of his everyday life, but I know this. God was always at his side. He had a Roman soldier chained to him 24-7. And I suspect he did a lot of evangelism during the course of his time in prison. But to know that whatever circumstance he met, God was with him. And to know that every circumstance we meet in life, God is with us. As the Hebrew writer said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. And then finally, what about our promises, the promises of God? To know that we have the promise of heaven. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Did you know that there is a place in heaven reserved for you as a faithful child of God? Peter said that we have an inheritance it's incorruptible, it's undefiled, and he said it's reserved in heaven for you. That means God has a place waiting on you. A lot of blessings. It's great to be a Christian. You ever thought about how Christianity ought to be able to sell itself? You think about all the great blessings and benefits that we enjoy in Christ and the fact that of all people we ought to be the most thankful. We have a lot to be thankful for physically, materially, mentally, and most of all spiritually, don't we? This life as we know it is not going to last forever. And so to know that our loved ones in Christ when they, when they die and depart this life, they go to be with the Lord. When we die and depart this life, we too go to be with the Lord. That's why when Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, he said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you saw as others who have no hope. You see, the world has no hope, but we, we have hope. We have hope of being together one day in heaven. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we're grateful for all the many blessings that we enjoy in this life.
We're so thankful for the opportunity to enjoy life at its fullest. We're grateful for our family, our friends, our rich finances. We're so grateful for the freedom that we enjoy in this life and the freedom that we enjoy in Christ. We're thankful for the tremendous future that lies before each of us. Help us to be grateful every day and help us to live with a heart of thanksgiving, to be gracious for every good and perfect gift. And Father, we ask that you would forgive us when we take the blessings of life for granted. We pray that we might always live with a heart of thanksgiving. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to come to Christ. Believing Jesus to be the Son of God, Jesus is the great I Am. If you believe Jesus to be the Son of God and you would be willing to repent of all your sins, confess His name just as the eunuch did as recorded by Luke in Acts chapter 8 verse 37, be baptized into Christ, then the Bible tells us you can be a forgiven person. You can be a part of the body of Christ. You can have the hope of heaven. The exhortation, be faithful until death. If you're here tonight and maybe your life is not what it ought to be, and you would like to somehow get things back in line, get life back on track, let me tell you what, there's hope for you. Because we would be happy to pray with you. We'll pray for you. And the assurance is God will abundantly pardon Tonight, whatever your need may be, won't you come as we stand and sing?